1: It's V-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's fight against cancer.
2: You know, when you win or when you lose, it's about what can I learn from this? The process remains the same in terms of how we respond and how we approach I'll it.
3: i am be the get it. Like the for the touchdown. Woo. Woo. Samuel is loosed. It's good. It's winning a knife, baby. And it is caught.
2: Back of the end zone. There's CD Lamb. I'm built oh. like That's it grab. That's good. that.
1: One. Flip the switch, lock your focus in, and go get it done. This is where the real football begins.
4: Ooh, some enormous matchups this week as week 14 starts tonight. Welcome to NFL Live. We're going to pick. Steelers and Patriots a little bit later on. Dan Orlovsky is here. Marcus Spears is there. Ryan Clark as well. And Adam Chuck is going to join us with all the news that you need to know. Guys, let's begin with that NFC East clash that has huge implications on Sunday. The Eagles and the Cowboys what I'm talking about. Look at this. Eagles fans outside the facility there in Philly with the Run the Ball sign, okay, campaigning. Marcus, I don't know if you planted that sign there, but anyway, Nick Sirianni saw it and acknowledged it.
5: We gave them coffee. Uh, no, hey, I love our fans. I love their, their passion and their, their energy. That's not the first time I've heard around run the ball. And you know what? And we do need to continue to try to run the ball. I'm not surprised by, by that. And I, and I appreciate their, their energy because I know that same energy of those guys sitting out there this morning when I drove in. They're going to have that same energy when they're, when they're cheering us on in the stadium. And I'm thankful and grateful for that.
4: I wonder if they put, like, cream in the coffee. Anyway, all right. Hopefully. I know, right? (laughs) Hey, those fans may be on to something, by the way, because in their last seven games, the Eagles have not run the ball as often or as effectively as they did to start the season. They're averaging nearly 10 fewer rush attempts per game than they were through their first five games and are bottom 10 in rush yards per game and yards per rush. Philly had only 46 rushing yards in last week's loss against the 49ers, their fewest in any game, started by Jalen Hurts, RC, you think the Eagles should be leaning on the run game more in their matchup this week against Dallas?
2: heck yeah listen I played in the NFC East and all I would ever hear in Maryland Virginia the DMV was those stupid Philly fans lies you tell because those two fans standing outside of the facility are absolute geniuses they have to run the football if you look at the last two games they start with straight drop back passing and it was very similar in the game against Kansas City but in Kansas City and also Buffalo we watched them be a little innovative here you see a pony personnel we have the DeAndre Swift lined up at the number one receiver off the football and they got into the jet sweep. When you can do some of those things, that's when you open up things for Jalen Hurts and this passing attack. Just sitting back there and thinking that you're going to pick defenses apart from the middle of the pocket is not playing to Jalen Hurts's or the Philadelphia Eagles strength. And it's like during the week, offensive coordinator Brian Johnson somehow forgets who they are. Yeah. They're a team that are that is physical, that can run the ball and then get into the pass game. Marcus and I saw Jordan Mulata in the pregame against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the man looks like not that he was chiseled oh, oh, oh. out the side of a mountain, he is the whole Mickey <laughs> Ficky mountain. So him, Jason Kelsey, and Lan- and Lane Johnson coming downhill yes, is what hey. you want. You start that way and get into the pass game.
6: RC. It's good to see you, my brother. I'm glad America has come around. Okay. I even got Dan talking about running the damn football. I never thought in a million years we would get to this point, but it's, but, but it's what we've been talking about during the week. It's identity, man. And, and, and it's effective even, even if you're averaging 2.9 or you, you're not running the ball as effectively as you want to, you're just planting seeds. And I, we used to always look at it like this because y'all know we played in a time when it was going to be a minimum of 30 runs in a game if yeah. teams could. And you continue yeah. to plant them seeds and then you look for the home run ball. And I think that's what makes Philly different. Look, I'm going to say this too. For as much love that we've given San Francisco this week, I believe that this Philly game, that that game against, I, I think that's an anomaly.
7: Hmm. I'm not
6: going to against the 49ers that to who the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles yeah. are, based on all that we've watched them do.
5: For Philly to win this game, they have to do what they do best against Dallas, and it means that Micah Parsons does not get a third down sack. He doesn't have a third down sack against the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. And that's because Philadelphia takes number 11, the Lion, out of the game. Three different ways. Number one, this is why partly Dallas Goddard coming back matters. This is their first game of the year against each other where they motion him down. Both of these tight ends are going to put their hands all over Micah. They are not going to just single block him in the run game. There's that double team. Philadelphia will not allow him on early downs to destroy their run game. Number two, when he gets a blow. When he's off the field, they take their shot. They want to be way more aggressive. Michael Parsons is not on the field here. What do they do? They throw the football down the field, and they go and score on a deep touchdown pass down the left sideline. Number three, they put him in conflict. Out of respect, we cannot block you. So we're not going to try. This is the great job of understanding we're not going to block him. We're going to put him in conflict, meaning he's got to make a decision. Is Jalen Hurts going to carry it? Is he going to kick the RPO bottom, bubble at the bottom? Is he going to throw one-on-one up top, or is he going to hand it off? and it gets him to play a little bit slower. Again, Micah doesn't have a third-down sack when he plays the Philadelphia Eagles. So for Philly to win this game, and this is why I've always felt that Dallas can't beat Philly when it matters the most, is they take number 11 out of the game. Now, Demarcus Lawrence has been awesome this year. If he has a huge game because Micah is, had so much attention to him, that is a huge advantage for Dallas. But I think Philadelphia is equipped with Goddard back to make sure Micah doesn't ruin the game.
6: I have a thing, yeah. because Dan, you make a great point. I have a thing, and and I know people are going to lose their damn mind because we think about Micah coming off the edge. This is the game where you play him at middle linebacker. Mm. This is the game where you don't Mm. give an offensive line a beat on him and allow him to be in different spots and change Hell Mm. yes, Dio. Listen, and and the reason being is because when he's
2: off the line of script, go ahead, go ahead, R.C. No, 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 I was going to ask you a question. I was going to ask you, and you were starting to talk about it a little bit, I think they should move him around. Not necessarily that he shouldn't ever get an opportunity to rush because there are going to be those obvious pass downs, but for one time, if you're Dan Quinn, this is where you move him off the football. You move him over the guard. You have him at the defensive end. It should be a where's Micah sort of game for Dan (laughs) Quinn and the Dallas Cowboys so they can't pinpoint where he is to game plan it. This is this is why this
6: is why we're all best friends and we work together and we talk about these games and we see a picture. And literally, I was about to say before you said that, RC, line him up in the middle and let him end up wherever you want him to. Just don't give this Mm -hmm. defense the ability to know where he's going to be. It doesn't matter. It don't matter if he start in the middle of the line of scrimmage. And I've seen Cleveland do this with Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. You can end up at end, yep. but make the blocking scheme account for him, and then you can move a position. It's almost like disguising from the linebacker to D line position, yeah. as opposed yeah. to it being the secondary.
4: Yeah, at the very least, it should allow him to get more pressures. He has two or fewer pressures in three of his four career games against the Eagles. So there you go. Maybe that's the recipe for doing it. They know where he's going to be. Best. Friends, Okay, let's go to the next thing here. From a pair of contenders in the NFC to another (laughs) pair of contenders. The 49ers enter this week's matchup with the Seahawks, having won 10 straight games against division opponents, the longest active win streak in the NFL by far. That includes three straight wins against the Seahawks, most recently a blowout win just a couple weeks ago on Thanksgiving. Remember that one? So yesterday, Kyle Shanahan was asked if facing a team twice in three weeks makes the preparation any easier. Take a listen.
7: I think easier would be the wrong word. I
5: think
0: we both understand how our teams are going to be, um, so it's you don't have to overcomplicate things too much. Which, I guess, when you don't overcomplicate things, it makes it easier. But it's not as in either of us are easy to go against. We just I know what we're going to get from them, and I think they know what they're going to get from us, and uh, that's why it's going to be a battle.
4: Marcus, what can the Seahawks do on Sunday to give themselves a better chance in this rematch? That really is just a couple weeks later against San Francisco.
6: Well, yeah, I keep saying this, and. Your offense is going to have to play a part, obviously. And I'm not talking about the obvious offense needs to have success. The only way I believe you beat the San Francisco 49ers is you put pressure on their offense and put them in situations where they have to go down and have these type of drives where you can kind of dictate a little bit about what they're needing to do. And then you think about Seattle in the run game. You have to control the ball as much as possible. Now, I know what I'm saying. Is against the best defense in the NFL, Mm -hmm. so it's not like it's easy. That's why we all consider the 49ers the best team in football, but your offense has to come to the party. You need chunk plays. You need time of possessions at times during the game, but more importantly, you need to be explosive, and these games when you play the 49ers are about the Jimmys and the Joes and Mm -hmm. not your scheme. DK Metcalf is going to have to go make plays against whatever corner lines up on him. They're going to have to figure out the run game and how to get creative to find some space. Gino is gonna to have to use his legs and the great timing we saw him throw it against the Dallas Cowboys. Jackson Smith and Jig. It's 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 all hands on deck when you have in this fight, but offensively, you have to hit explosives and you also have to possess the ball for a little while.
4: Dan.
2: Bottom line, this is oh. this is an A-player game, right? When Mike Tomlin would have opportunities to speak to us before the Baltimore Ravens or before the Tennessee Titans when they were good, the New York Jets, obviously the New England Patriots, he would say this is an eight-player game. That's what this game is for the Seattle Seahawks. We're not asking Bobo, right? We don't want Jake Bobo to go out and play. You're asking DK Metcalf to go out and play. And Marcus mentioned whatever guy is lined up against him is going to be Traverius Ward. When you look at Traverius Ward, he's become that corner that tracks the number one receiver of the opponent's team, especially when they're a big-bodied guy like an A.J. Brown or a D.K. Metcalf, Trevarius Ward dominated that matchup last game, and then you were able to see the sure Lenore in the slot and Ambry Thomas on the outside, and now J.S.N. and Tyler Lockett are having to fight for their lives as well. You know the run game is going to be difficult, especially not knowing if you'll have Kenneth Walker or what percent or what percentile he would be at. So for D.K. Metcalf, go win like you won against Deron Bland. And we saw in that game later on, Stefan Gilmore was matched to track D.K. Metcalf as well. He got to stand up and be an A dude and be a dude that's worth that money.
5: Mm. Yeah, for me, this is about Seattle's offense and some of the hidden yardage that happens when you play San Francisco's defense. For the quarterback, it's early downs. You got to get the ball to your hands. You can't hold it. You, you cannot take sacks on early downs pass catchers both receivers and tight ends like when you catch the ball it is not hang around and try to dance it's get vertical you see two defenders you split them for the offensive line you cannot have penalties because if you think that you're going to lit like Dallas last week Seattle got away with it a little bit because they were so good on third down and Geno made so many big time throws you're not going to do that against this defense so it's that hidden yardage there's a big difference when you play against that defense between second and seven and second and five, I know it sounds like silliness yes. at home, but that two yards has such an impact on the the play that you can call on second down and then the subsequent one on third down. Third and two is a totally different world than third and fourth. So that hidden yardage the players control in many ways is a huge thing when it comes to can they have success offense. But they oh go ahead.
6: They oh Dan, to your point on those seconds and seven, I'm, I'm like going into the, the mindset of this defensive line for San Francisco. To them, that's a rush down, right? Like because the athleticism of Fred right. Warner and Drake Greenlaw makes those guys right up front. Usually when you're dealing in, you know, second and five, your thought process is this team is going to try to get two or three yards to make this a manageable third. But because of how good their linebackers are, it's, it's pin your ears back time yep. for Hargrave and both and those guys up front, which is different than a lot of teams you face week in and week out to your point about second and seven, second and five for this team. They treat it like third down.
4: We talk about a game of inches. It sounds like it's a game of like two yards here and there, which is fascinating. RC alluded to this a little bit. There are some injuries that we need to get some updates on with the Seahawks team. Let's bring Adam Schefter in here with a little bit more top stories, and let's start with the Seahawks running back as a key position there. What more can you tell us,
1: Adam? Laura, there was no practice yesterday for the Seahawks running back's Kenneth Walker III and Zach Charbonnet. Both players sat out. Walker, due to that oblique injury that he suffered a couple of weeks back against the Rams and Charbonnet due to the knee injury that he suffered last Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. There have been a feeling that Walker was further along, that Charbonnet could miss. This week we'll see how these running backs hold up the rest of this week and whether they can return. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence limited at practice today, which was an upgrade from not practicing at all yesterday, both he and C.J. Bethard, who suffered a shoulder injury Monday night, were limited today. And so the Jaguars are not giving up hope yet that Lawrence somehow could make it back for Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns. And meanwhile, for the first time all season today, the Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson didn't practice under the weather, was not out there today as the Ravens resume their preparations for Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Rams, which, oh, by the way, may occur in some nasty weather, a lot of rain forecast for the East Coast this upcoming weekend, not to be the weatherman or anything like that, but it sounds like it's not great. And Lamar Jackson, they're hoping that he feels better in time for that game so that he could be out there to start against the Rams on Sunday. Oh, and one other note, happy 10-year anniversary, Laura. Oh,
4: thank you. Thank you, Adam. That's so nice. Yeah. Shout out to John. Happy 10 years of putting up with me. Good man. Um, also, Adam, you're a really good meteorologist. So I love to see that. We'll keep you updated on Lamar Jackson. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on in the show. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. The Bills and Chiefs square off on Sunday in a game that will have huge playoff implications. We'll discuss why it not come, may not come down to the quarterback to decide this one. Plus, the Vikings could receive a significant boost in their playoff aspirations this weekend. Here what Justin Jefferson had to say about his potential return you don't want to miss this we'll be right back NFL live right here on ESPN Monday Night Football this week. A doubleheader games at 8 Eastern. The AFC matchup between Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins and Will Levis and the Titans. That's on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. And on ABC, it's the NFC matchup between Jordan Love and the Packers and Saquon Barkley and the Giants. Peyton and Eli back on ESPN2. Everything can be seen on ESPN+. Plus. Can't wait for that doubleheader in time. Now, to read and react, starting in Minnesota, where star wideout Justin Jefferson is trending toward returning for Sunday's game against the Raiders.
2: Just on the field and in the film room. Uh, just going over different plays with him. Uh, going over the timing of everything, just like you know we did with Kirk and uh, just trying to find that, that, uh, that connection uh, that we can find. Of course, you know, uh, before this week, I wasn't really uh, in practice as much, so I uh, wasn't really working with him as much, but uh, I feel like, you know, we're, we're going to be good and we're going to be fine uh, as long as he have confidence in me and I have confidence in him.
4: RC, what will having Jefferson back do for Josh
2: Dobbs? The same thing cheese and bacon do to anything you put it on, make him better. Listen, Justin Jefferson is the sort of wide receiver that can help any quarterback. He knows how to get open. He understands how to create separation. And if that dude got the matchup, you ain't got to read the defense. Throw it to him. Justin Jefferson is one of the best doing it in football, and Josh Dobbs, who has struggled a little bit, will be smart to get in the football any opportunity he can, and also Kevin O'Connell can scheme up some ways to get the ball out of Josh's hands to Justin Early.
4: Yeah, shocker, Dan's Payton on cheese and bacon. Who does that? All right, to Los Angeles, where Austin Eckler hasn't had more than 70 rushing yards in a game since week one. Here's head coach Brandon Staley on his team's run game.
1: Competition. Yeah, I think competition for carries is going to be um, something that you can see happening. Um, and I think you've seen it on defense, you know, com- competing for opportunities. So, like I said, when I see keep searching, you know, we're going to we're gonna keep exploring, making adjustments um, so that we can we can find, you know, that rhythm that I've been talking about. And uh, that's certainly one way to do it.
4: Dan, how can the Chargers get more from the run game moving forward?
5: Well, give them the ball more. (laughs) Here's some truth. Okay, so Eckler hasn't run for over 100 yards since week one. He hasn't run for over 67 yards since week one. He's also only carried the ball in a game over 15 times once this season. So while I understand they got to get better in the run game, Brandon Staley's saying opportunity and competition, 15 carries is not necessarily giving a guy a ton of work to try and bust a 30- or 40-yard run. So, hmm. while I understand they need more, I don't know if he's give, been given the ample opportunity to provide that.
4: Yeah, work that into the game plan. Okay, to Dallas, where Dak Prescott is playing well. He's tired of being asked about losses from two months ago.
0: appreciate CD speaking up after the 49er game, saying we got to get our act together a little bit.
1: We still back there. <laughs> <laughs> look where you are now. Look where you were, and look where you yeah, are now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, y'all panicked. We didn't, because these are the moments that we've we've prepared for. To be honest with you, I mean, not that we did not for all these other past games, but you know, we we understood that um, we need all of these games. But this is the this is the stretch in the season when, when you look at the schedule that you have to you had to be excited about.
4: Marcus, what's impressed you most about Dak's recent play?
1: Well, he's been super
6: efficient, his athleticism, getting outside of the pocket and creating plays and his ability to place the football. Something that we haven't talked about much is his accuracy, pushing the ball downfield as well, especially in tight windows when you get one-on-one opportunities. But to, to what Dak just said, bro, you're going to be asked about this till you blue in the face. Until you go get it done, this will be the question. So this is another opportunity to push that forward and I get what he's saying and you think about it in football context as far as moving on but until you go do it these questions will linger.
4: 5-1 and one at home in his career against the Eagles by the way still to come on NFL Live Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have been the talk of this weekend's Bills Chiefs matchup but you're why Marcus says this game won't be won on the other side of the ball that's going to be the conversation next on NFL Live we'll be right back
0: What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition.
1: Free Game HQ is brought to you by Domino's. Earn free food after just two orders with new Domino's rewards. It's easier than ever to earn free pizza, stuffed cheesy bread, lava cakes, and more. Sign up to start earning today.
4: The Chiefs host the Bills on Sunday in a game that has significant playoff implications for both teams. At 6-6, the Bills still on the hunt for a wild card spot, but their chance to make the playoffs would fall to 8% if they lose. This really matters for them. As for the Chiefs, a loss would significantly hurt their chance to earn the top seed in the AFC. And you think about how important that is when it comes to home field advantage and all those things that matter so much when it comes to playoff time. So, let's talk about the game. Dan, who needs to step up for this Bills defense to help limit Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs?
5: Marcus, honest question, answer this one. Kansas City's offensive flaw is where?
6: Offensive tackles.
5: Okay, then Greg Rousseau, it's time to go. You were that first-round draft pick, and there's been moments. Ed Oliver has has played awesome this year on the interior. This is a game that Gregory Rousseau has to be a dominant force and begin a back four- or five-game stretch of this season where he becomes a pinnacle player for their defense. Every week, people have gotten after the tackles for Kansas City, and you can only help so many of them in so many different snaps. If Greg Rousseau goes out mm-hmm. and is the best player on Buffalo's defense, they win this game.
4: Okay, circle him and see if that ends up happening. RC, the other side of the ball, where does the Chiefs' defense need to try to improve to really slow down Josh Allen and the Bills?
2: First off, can they start faster Boogie, Mm. I mean, you look at the last two weeks, you give up 14 points right away to the Las Vegas Raiders, and you do the same exact thing with the Green Bay Packers. And there's an underrated loss for this team in the last game, and that's safety, second-year safety Brian Cook. I worked with him this offseason, and I think that he's an absolute genius the way that he can help guys line up. And if you look at this team after his loss last week, there were coverage busts, and I also didn't feel like Justin Reed was able to move around and be that chess piece that was able to disrupt as we've seen throughout the year. And so I think what Mike Edwards is able to do and Brian Cook's stand and also how Steve Spagnola finds a way to start this game hot against Josh Allen, who to me has been the best player in the league over the last two games since Joe Brady has taken over as the play caller. Mm.
6: Yeah, I I like that, R.C. And, and, and Dan, I'm glad you brought up Gregory Russo on the other side. It's a D-line game for Kansas City. This is about the guys up front. Mm. And not only getting after Josh Allen, but you want to put the lights out on the run game. And then you want to rush smart and make sure that you're rushing, rushing aggressively. And let Chris Jones be the free guy. Let him do his thing and the other three while working towards the quarterback they have to cover for each other. Y'all know how I talk about this all the time. This is a basketball game for the Kansas City Chiefs front. With with how you need to not only contain Josh with his legs, which he can devastate you with, but also try to take his time away um, from pushing the ball downfield. We know that they want to be explosive. We know that they watched this game last week against Green Bay. Where mm-hmm. Green Bay has success with one-on-one matchups, Green Bay has success in the interior of the line of scrimmage running with AJ Dillon as well. So w- when I look at the Kansas City Chiefs defense and we talked about how good they've been all season long. Well, here's one of these quarterbacks that's going to challenge the hell out of you in every phase. He's going to challenge your discipline He's going to challenge your physicality and he's going to challenge your ability to get him off his timing and how he wants to push the ball down the field. The answer is the defensive front for Kansas City to win this game, because with the way that Josh is playing mine, absent a mistake or two. He can win this game based on mm. Kansas City offense and how abysmal they've been um, in this season.
4: Yeah, I mean, one thing to keep in mind, you mentioned those mistakes. Josh Allen has thrown an interception in eight straight games. That's the longest streak by any quarterback in a season since 2018, and that was Case Keenum. Let's get back to tonight, you guys, as we go it's back okay, out. It's uh, <laughs> okay,
6: It's okay. He can't Don't talk, so nothing. it doesn't matter. It's We okay. moved
4: on. All right, so the Steelers are five-and-a-half-point favorites over the New England Patriots, and it is time now to check in at the Domino's pregame headquarters as Brooke Pryor gets us ready for tonight's game. Brooke, Mitch Trubisky will get the start for Pittsburgh in place of Kenny Pickett. What is the game plan for Trubisky getting this opportunity tonight?
7: Well, Laura, uh, interim offensive coordinator Eddie Faulkner said the game plan is going to stay the same for Mitch Trubisky. But Trubisky said just a couple days ago that he wants to be a catalyst for this offense. And to me, there is no better play that illustrates what he wants to do than against the Cardinals last week when he came in for Pickett. They were third and six and he threaded this 26 yard pass, went 26 air yards to Connor Hayward near the goal line. Now, the pass did fall incomplete, but Mitch Trubisky showed he's not afraid to take a risk and to be aggressive, and that's a change in the mentality he had from when he started four games at the beginning of last season and was averaging just 5.8 yards per attempt and the second half of the season when he came on, that average was up to 9.5. So he knows he's going to be aggressive. And as Eddie Faulkner said, we're calling shots to take them So look for Mitch Trubisky to be aggressive. This team needs to score points, and they've got to do it against a really tough New England Patriots defense. Yeah, it's
4: also going to be uh, quite chilly. 34 degrees, I see, is the game time temperature. So Sounds hope cool. everybody stays warm, including you, Brooke. Thanks for joining us here. Time now for a DraftKings sportsbook same game parlay. For that, we go to RC, and that's because we had him do this segment on Monday's show. After the game, he posted this: "I hit everyone in the parlay on live again." He just keeps doing this. RC's back to uh, have some more success for some people. Okay, let's see if you got it in you. I, I believe you do. I'm following all of your picks and everything you say. Let's start with Mr. Vizky. <laughs> Over under 181 and a half pass yards tonight.
2: I mean, listening to Eddie Faulkner, I might need to change and go to over, but I'm going with the under for Mitchell Trubisky. I think that the run game is going to be extremely important tonight, and you're playing against a New England Patriots defense that knows how to keep the top on the defense and understands how to get to your quarterback as well. I think they go under because they're going to be more successful running the football than throwing.
4: To the other side of the ball, over under, under. 52 and a half rushing yards for Ezekiel Elliott.
2: You know what, I'm going to go over, but it's going to be like barely over, like his belly barely over. It's going to be extremely tight, but he's been hovering around this yard mark for the last three or four games. I think he'll get a couple of more carries this game, and Ezekiel Elliott finds his way over tonight.
4: Okay, I think I know what you might do here, um, but I'm going to ask you anyway. How about the total? Over under 30 and a half total points scored in tonight's game.
2: Under. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you what, when you have a New England Patriot game, if they're going to set the over under at 30, you go under. This is the team that will keep you from scoring, but they sure as hell won't score themselves. So I'm going to under for this game. And I think that is maybe the surest bet of the night, which means I'll be dead. A.S.S. Wrong.
4: Okay. um, Well, we'll see. We'll tweet to you about it if you are. You've been so right. By the way, the over-under point total for tonight's game is the lowest for any NFL game since 2006. Okay, coming up next on NFL Live.
5: (laughs) But it's going to be
4: great. Okay, coming up next, we're going to talk about the Texans a little bit more and Derek Stingley. He's been making big plays for this Texans defense. RC will show us why it's all starting to click for the second-year cornerback. Don't miss it next.
1: Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code NFL Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours.
0: must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
4: it's v week at espn when we partner with the v foundation to highlight the urgent need for cancer research this is game-changing research that helps save lives you can join the fight against cancer by visiting v.org donate 100 percent of your donation goes directly to cancer research. We appreciate your help. If you can give it, we're glad you're here with us on NFL live today in time to see what's on trend around the NFL. We show you a stat and tell you if it continues this week, Russell Wilson's where we start. He has fewer than 200 passing yards and eight starts this season, most in the NFL. However, this week he'll face a chargers defense that has allowed the second most passing yards in the league. You see what we're doing here Marcus, you expect this trend to continue on Sunday or Russ, air it out against the chargers defense
6: i think it goes over 200 boogie mm. um i like this rapport he's built with Sutton, obviously becoming his red zone guy Jared judy needs to continue to evolve in this game a couple weeks ago i thought that was kind of like his coming out thing but i think russ goes over 200 they love to run the football but between check downs and sudden downfield i think he'll get over it.
4: let russ cook we'll see Okay, next up, Houston, where Derek Stingley Jr. has made a significant impact on the Texans' defense since returning from a hamstring injury over his last three games. Stingley has four interceptions. He's the first player in Texans history with four interceptions in just a three-game span and the first player to do that for any team this season. RC, should we get used to seeing more of this from Stingley?
2: Absolutely. He's an elite talent and he has been since the age of 15. Let's check the tape. Here you're going to have a quarters coverage. He is deep and outside. One of the guys is going to eliminate himself from the number two position on the out. Watch Petrie be beat on the up and out and now he's going to get up the field. Stingley's going to attack the top shoulder but he's going to do that while locating the ball. This is the elite level ball skills that got him drafted in front of Sauce Gardner. Here, watch the play recognition. They're going to alert the screen with number one, and you're going to see the fake block by Ingram, and as he gets it to the slant, look at Stingley's eyes here, right back in on the quarterback. He's going to take another upfield angle. It's a bad throw by Trevor Lawrence to the inside. Easy interception. And here are some of the elite skills that he can show, even when beaten. Some of these ball skill guys, right, they're going to have their eyes in the backfield. Look, he's beat on the out and up. Watch him get back upfield. There will be no looking back at the quarterback. He's going to chase the hands under Understanding he's out of phase, going to play through the hands, get the football knocked down. At 15, this was the best athlete I'd ever seen at the cornerback position, and he's showing some of those skills, some of that awareness, and those ball skills have gotten him four interceptions in the last three games, and I expect to see more. Look out, Zach Wilson.
4: Woo! He's talented. I like okay, that tape. yeah. <laughs> mm, poor Zach Wilson. All right, <laughs> let's stay in the AFC South with the Colts, who have won four straight games. A key to the winning streak has been the connection between Gardner Minshew and Michael Pittman Jr. During the streak, Minshew has a 95 QBR when targeting Pittman, fifth highest by any QB receiver duo. So, Dan. You think this continues for
5: this duo this week? I do, and it's been a little bit of everything. There's been some action in the red zone where they've used his big frame for him to be the guy. They've gotten him on the perimeter and used him as almost a, a get-the-ball-in-hands type of guy. There's been the throws and the chunk pass game to allow his frame down the second level, and then they push the ball downfield to him. So it's a little bit of everything, route tree wise from Michael Pittman Jr. The only hesitation I have is that Gardner Minshew is one of those quarterbacks, and he's awesome, that he likes a lot of throws, and he's a very aggressive player, and he gets streaky when everything's going well. And I don't want the, I'm going to get this ball to Michael Pittman mindset because I can create a a turnover or two that's going to be a costly one for this football team that every little inch matters, every game matters as they make this playoff run. Mm. I love his aggression sometimes it's a little too much to Pittman.
4: Yeah, you know, uh, Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo is going to be like, hey, we could expect this, and that's a good defense when coached up well. All right, still ahead, Aaron Donald and the Rams have their work cut out for them as they head to Baltimore with huge playoff hopes on the line. Hear what Dan says will be key to slowing down the Ravens' offense, plus an update on Lamar Jackson from Adam Schefter that you do not want to miss. It's all next. Army, Navy, Game Day, and Bill Belichick is going to be the guest picker on the show. So it'll be fun to tune in and see that. Also this weekend, the Sunday NFL Countdown Crew has you covered for Week 14 at 10 a.m. Eastern. And the Monday Night Countdown Crew gets you set for a Monday night doubleheader with a two-hour pregame starting at 6 Eastern, both on ESPN and the app. Let's get you back to Thursday Night Football. Look at the fans out there, okay? Patriots and Steelers. It's cold, it doesn't matter, they love it, they're partying. That looks like a lot of fun. Um, I wish it was closer by, I'd go join them. Time to check in at the Domino's pregame headquarters, and we're going to get to Adam Schefter here. Some news surrounding both quarterback spots on these two teams. What do we know, Adam.
1: Well, with Kenny Pickett out dealing with an ankle injury, having undergone surgery this week, Laura, the Pittsburgh Steelers will start Mitch Trubisky. And this looks like a multi-week injury for Mitch Trubisky. And until he can get back, the plan would be to lean on Mitch Trubisky uh, with Kenny Pickett out having undergone that surgery. Trubisky will start tonight. If he plays well, you would think he would start next week, and they'll hope that Pickett can be back sooner rather than later without any plans to put him on injured reserve, which would knock him out for four weeks. The Patriots, meanwhile, will turn back to Bailey Zappi. They got shut out last week, but the plan is to start Zappi again tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Patriots are hoping for a little bit of a spark in offense. Anything would be more than they had last Sunday during a shutout loss at home against the Los Angeles Chargers, so Bailey Zappi in line to start tonight. And Najee Harris didn't practice all week long due to a knee injury, but he will play tonight despite his questionable status. He will be out there with Jalen Warren providing the Steelers with the rushing attack that they hope will be the difference in tonight's game. Despite his questionable tag, Najee Harris will play tonight against New England.
4: Okay, that's a good update for the Steelers' side of things. And, Adam, a developing story we've been following today that you've reported on. What is going on in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson?
1: For the first time this season, Lamar Jackson didn't practice today. He's been out there for every other practice. But today, under the weather, not out there today for the practice. We'll see whether he can make it back tomorrow. And again, this has happened in the past before where he's missed a practice here or there, not this season. And he's usually bounced back to play Sunday. My sense is it would be the same thing for this week and the game Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. And we should also point out that the weather is expected to be stormy for Sunday's game against Los Angeles. But Lamar, who missed practice today, they'll see if he can get back tomorrow.
4: All right, we'll keep an eye on that either way, thanks to Adam. And assuming he does play, here's more on Lamar Jackson being healthy enough to suit up Sunday. The Ravens would like to see some more consistency from their passing game. Through the first nine games of the season, Jackson completed a league high 72% of his passes. However, over the last three games, he's completed only 58% of his passes, which ranks 28th in the NFL. So, RC, what would you like to see out of Lamar coming out of a bye and hopefully he gets healthy enough to show that he's back on track
2: you know there was a song that lil wheezy had and in the in the chorus it said don't you get too comfortable and i feel like todd munkin and his offense got a little comfortable Mm. they started to see some success and now we aren't getting into the play action game we aren't moving the most athletic quarterback in the entire world off the queue off the spot well when you're facing a team like the los angeles rams that can create that could create some pressure in the middle of the pocket, you need to find a way to get Lamar off of the queue. Find ways to get him outside of the pocket. Weeks ago, Dan showed you a tape about how they used the bunch formation, and in using the bunch formation, there was play-action pass, Lamar Jackson with some half-rows. They need to get into more of those sorts of concepts so we can see Lamar Jackson be his best and also put him in position to not only protect himself, but if it's time to use his athleticism, he already has an option, and an alleyway to get there.
5: Yeah, I love that, RC. I also, like, this is back to that simple indie defense when it comes to zone. Their four-man rush Mm. has been really good. So it will be paramount. Get the ball in your hands, Lamar. Allow guys in space to go create some plays. Lamar, for many weeks this season, led the NFL in completion percentage. This has to be one of those games for him.
4: Yeah, Dan, what are the keys to the Rams' defense this weekend when it comes to trying to deal with Lamar? Again, assuming that he's healthy enough to be out Yeah,
5: there. I think Byron Young and Ernest Jones have been two really good players for this defense in the run game. Everyone focus. I just said Indy, my bad. Rams, everyone focus on Aaron Donald. If those two young players play really good in the run game, I think some of their middle field open coverages – RC knows this. They, they, when I say middle field open, it's two safety defenses, the middle. But it's not two just the same stuff. They, they, they'll be in two and then a different kind of two and four and different kind of four or, or cover four and cover two together or a pressure. There's so many different kinds and you've got to figure out where the completion is. And then you saw some clips. Their red zone defense coverage wise has been sticky. No Mark Andrews in this mm. game. So if those young bucks early downs play well, I think they got a chance with their coverage.
6: Yeah, and get them on the ground. Like I, mm-hmm. we talk about it defensively, but the space that has been created, and we talked about the Baltimore Ravens and RC. You are absolutely right about standing quarterback in the middle of the pocket. I feel like that about every quarterback that can move, <laughs> but especially Lamar Jackson. But the tackling becomes a premium because you have you have so many home run hitters. You got both of the guys out of the backfield, and and, and then you think about Zay. Uh, Zay Flowers and you just you Flowers. these guys in situation You put these guys in situations where now you created these alleys that you talked about. R. C. and it's just about getting on, getting them on the ground and lining down again, making them go the long, hard way. If yep. you think about the Baltimore Ravens, right? Think about the dynamic of this offense that we have watched from them now, as opposed to what we watched when they were in. Greg Roman system. Remember those drives, how methodical they used to be, how they would wear defenses out and you had to keep lining down the plate. Now as a defense, that's your advantage against this particular Mm. offense because the home run hits that Mm -hmm. they have offensively is what makes these games so lopsided. Think think back to Detroit. Think back to these games when we saw Baltimore just dominate. They all were associated with huge explosive plays and guys missing tackles. So it's a premium for LA this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you go back to the Detroit game also, I think it was the Seattle game as well. Like, these teams have gone to Baltimore expecting to be at the top of their games, and you learn, well, maybe not. But it is about the big explosive plays. And, Marcus, you'll get this. Remember the drill we do in high school where it was the fast break drill, and no matter what, the basketball couldn't hit the ground? That's the way the, the, the that that Lamar Jackson <laughs> needs to play football. The ball can't hit the ground. Get it out of your hands. Get it into yeah. your running backs' hands. But they should constantly be moving, getting in, in and out of the huddle, and using these different skill players. If you do that, you have an opportunity to attack what's really an undermanned defense compared to this offense from a skill position yeah. standpoint.
4: It sounds like one of my favorite games, a uh, hot potato. All right, let's make some game picks, you guys. Oh, look at us. Look at the, okay, we're cheering them on. We hadn't seen one of these in a. all right let's let's throw all the picks up there shoulders
2: wide. look
4: at that so you guys are on the Steelers I'm just doing it because of the curse and you know what honestly maybe the Patriots are going to come out there and and really show something but I'm I'm really doing that for for RC our Steelers guy I got (laughs) touchdown thank you thank you what, what? Who's got the lowest Look score at the here? Scores. Somebody had nine to six. Look at had the nine scores, six. Though.
5: Anybody watching Jingle Jangle today? Dan had no, to
4: we're six. watching football. Shut up, Dan. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. I can't
6: wait. <laughs> Shut up, Dan. <laughs>